Welcome to the CSL Olympia podcast. In this episode, you will hear an opening prayer, followed by a talk. You can learn more about us at our website, cslolympia.org. Blessings. And so as I breathe in into this moment, and I acknowledge that there is only one, one life, one body, one power, and one creation that is happening right here and now in this I am. And because this is all there is, I know that that is what I am made of, what is happening within me, that that body and that one life is in me, living me, creating all that I am and all that I am becoming in every moment, new again. And because that is my truth, I know that this is the truth of all there is, all beings, all things, that everywhere I look and everything that I experience is this life, this creation, this love that is giving itself and living in, as, and through all. And that that idea of creation and that body of creation is my my mind, my creation, my body. And so as I speak my word, in recognizing this truth, that I know that I am created from something bigger than all there is, for that is all there is. And that no matter where I go and what is happening, what I am experiencing, what I'm thinking, that I have everything I need For the allness that it is, is living in me, carrying everything and creating everything. That that bag, that suitcase of all that I know and all that I can know is fully packed. And that whatever I need is drawn from within, from that oneness and that creative source. And so wherever I find myself, I can release fear, release doubt, knowing that this too shall pass and that all that needs to happen will occur. That all is good. And so with that freedom, I am able to experience the good the love, the creativity, and joining together with all that shares this time, this space, and this life with me. I am blessed. And so I release this, knowing it is the truth that I'm so grateful for this. And I simply affirm this, knowing it is done. And so it is.
So this month we're looking at, actually this year, we're looking at the idea of living everyday wonder, living life with a sense of wonder, with a sense of curiosity, with a sense of awe. And this month we're focusing on, each month we focus on a different aspect of life, and this month we're focusing on emotions. And today we're looking at the emotion of fear. I wanted to wear a Halloween mask, you know, one of those kind of scary things, you know, and and because the official title is the fear factor. But we're not going to spend a whole lot of time in fear. We're just going to kind of make sure that we don't get run by it, that we run our own lives. So fear is, is one of the most core, one of the most primal, one of the most common human emotions. And like all emotions, it's just energy in motion. That's all that it is. And emotional energy can carry us toward what we want or away from what we want. And so fear triggers that fight, flight, or freeze response within us. And it's, it's, it's not good or bad in and of itself. Fear is just, just is. Uh, Merriam-Webster defines it as an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. So awareness. Awareness is always a good and empowering thing. It's one of the things that we do is say, be aware. And it keeps us from stepping out into the path of an oncoming car or an oncoming lion. And as a short-term motivator, fear is powerful and effective. It provides a short-term burst of energy that gets us out of dangerous situations. You know, if you suddenly have stepped off the sidewalk and you realize there's a truck coming, you don't want to be sitting there kind of, let me think about this for a while. You want to have that instant motivation that says, jump back. So fear can be good. Fear is, is helpful in those kinds of situations. Where it becomes a problem is when it lasts more than the few minutes that is needed for, the, for a specific situation. It becomes a problem when we hang on to it. You know, fear provides this stimulus energy, and sometimes it can be addictive. That energy can, itself can be addictive. So we hang on to fear to keep that flow of, of adrenaline, that rush going long past the time that we actually need the fear. And then it becomes not a motivator, but an inhibitor. And it keeps us from moving forward. It keeps us from doing what it's designed to do, which is to move. Unhealthy fear usually comes from two things. The first one is an ongoing anticipation of of danger. You know, where we think that everything, instead of everything being holy now, everything is scary now. And so, and, and, you know, we get bombarded by by TV, especially with all these messages of fear. You don't have the right drug. You need our drugs. You know, uh, your car might break down, so you need our protection program. You know, all this, you know, fear, fear, fear. A lot of the TV shows are fear-based. And so we get bombarded with this constant fear, fear, fear. So it's an ongoing anticipation of danger, and it usually shows up when the actual danger has passed but we anticipate, correctly or incorrectly, it's return, whether that's rational or whether it's not rational. When we start to view everything and everyone as dangerous. This often occurs when we've had a traumatic experience and we can't let go of it. We don't know how to process it. 
and we develop behaviors which we think will prevent its return. And this, these behaviors, some of these behaviors can be seen in, in such ways as in primitive cultures, offering sacrifices or, or special ceremonies to the gods to prevent another volcano, another flood, another earthquake or famine. Or it can be seen as our trying to avoid uh, uh, invisible but angry parents. Excuse me, I'm going to rephrase that. It's trying to be invisible to avoid angry parents, which was a, a thing that we learned oftentimes in childhood, but is no longer necessary. And yet many of us keep on doing it because we haven't realized the fear is gone. Or <laughs> we believe that a God will be unhappy with us if we're actually happy and successful in our lives. And so we develop a program that says God doesn't want us to be happy or successful. So long after we're removed from the triggering event, this fear continues to grow. You know, I spent several years repeating the mantra, my mother doesn't live here anymore to myself. And I had to do that to free myself. Happy Mother's Day, right? And Mother's Day was never a joyful uh, event in my life. Uh, and I know that's not always typical, but, but many of us grew up with mothers who, um, well, could, could have done better. Let's just say it that. And fathers. But I use that to free myself from the dysfunctional and irrational fears and resultant behavior patterns that I had learned and carried on from my childhood. Among those was kind of a sense of why bother? It's not going to work out. And so we have this fear of failure or success or both. Because if we really go for what we want, if we fail, we'll feel like we've really lost the core of what we want. If we feel we failed, and if we succeed, then it becomes either a burden or then what's next. And so we have this fear of either one that immobilizes us and paralyzes us from moving towards the dream that we want. A second cause of unhealthy fear is misreading or misjudging a situation, of thinking it's a dangerous situation when it's not. And this can be seen when a white person will automatically lock their doors when they see a person of color going by. Or avoiding relationships based on past experiences. Or any other place where we think it's dangerous, but it's not. Instead of learning how to be in healthier relationships, instead of learning how to be in healthier ways of living with the world, we just simply curl up into our fear. Fear will keep us holed up in our caves of safety, nice, safe little caves, and with the belief that as long as I don't leave my cave, I can't get attacked. Nothing will go wrong. We can then delude ourselves into living lives that are safe and comfortable and way too small for the potential of who we are. And as long as we don't go past the walls and the fences that we've, uh, we ourselves have either erected, usually believing, by the way, that somebody else erected them for us, but we ourselves built those walls, built those, those rules, built those ideas. As long as we don't go beyond those, we feel comfortable and safe. The problem is there's a life urge. There's an urge of life itself, a desire to create and to grow and to be more. You know, Susan did that wonderful uh, meditation on, on the flow of nature, 
And nature is demonstrates that flow of life urge, life urge, life urge, always some, creating something new. And yes, it takes the winter rest, and then it comes back, it creates again. It doesn't sit, the plants don't sit there and go at the end of fall, go, God, I failed. Instead, the plants just keep on going and renew themselves, usually growing more so in the, in the spring. So we see this throughout nature. We see this life urge throughout nature, and it is within us too. We're within that. And it's constantly straining to break out of these walls that we've erected. And things get ugly, both internally and externally, when we, when we try to restrain that growth urge and choose instead this comfortable, safe life. Anais Nim said, living never wore one out as much as the effort to not live. Living never wore one out as much as the effort not to live. She has a couple of other fabulous quotes that I, I, uh, I love. I love Anais Nin. Um, she said, and, and this is very well known by many of us. So then the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. And one of my other favorite sayings or think that she wrote, I must be a mermaid. I have no fear of depths and a great fear of shallow living. I invite us all to be mermaids. We are here to live. We are here to live. We are here to live out loud. We aren't here to tread lightly and safely from cradle to grave. We're here to live fully, to live expressly, to live out loud. And with all the external and internal voices screaming at us to sit down and shut up and be content with your lot in life and don't be, get too big for your britches and all that junk that a lot of us grew up on, that can be a bit of a challenge. That can be a, a bit of an uphill climb. I was sitting in the grocery store the other day and I heard the song, The Climb, which we sometimes sing here also. And, and I was reminded of that. And so the, the, there's a challenge to go beyond the, the collective consciousness and say, no, I'm here to be me, fully me, God's self, me. So we get to decide whether to let fear, which supports us in conforming to the, to the life that others want us to live, <laughs> or the life that we think others want us to live. We, we can let that run us, or we can let courage and faith Open us up to our life's vision and let that vision bloom and express. Take a breath. In the Science of Mind textbook in the glossary, Ernest Holmes says, fear is the antithesis of faith. It's the antithesis of faith. It is the negation of confidence. Like faith, fear may be conscious or subjective. And if it is to be eliminated, it must be removed both consciously and subjectively. So I want to talk about faith for a minute, because if fear is the antithesis of faith, guess what faith is? It's the antithesis of fear. And so faith has often been interpreted by religious institutions in believing in their dogma, their ideas, their, you know, whatever their rules are. But faith is far more than that. Ernest Holmes describes faith as a mental attitude so inwardly embodied that the mind can no longer deny it. 
Faith is complete when it is both a conscious, that is to say, a head, and subjective, heart and body, acceptance. Faith is complete when it is both a conscious and subjective acceptance. In spiritual terminology, faith means a belief in the presence of an invisible principle and law which directly and specifically responds to us. Your faith has made you whole. Think about that. Your faith. Take that in a larger perspective. Your faith makes you whole. So if fear is a negation of confidence, a negation of trust in yourself and trust in life, then faith is what restores our confidence and trust. And it's not we're not talking stupid, blind faith, ignoring questions that our fears do bring up that we should be paying attention to. Awareness is always a good thing. But belief that there is something greater than we are, which works to support us. It works through us. And thus, we are greater than we have believed ourselves to be because there is this greater thing working through us, this greater life energy working through us. And our work is to let it flow, to let it go. And again, we don't do this in some narcissistic, self-aggrandizing way, but in an understanding that we are expressions, individualized points of consciousness, of a power and a presence which is greater than all the stuff it appears so real, appears so real. You know, there's a, there's a Christian saying that says, I don't tell God how big my problems are. I tell my problems how big my God is. And this is not a God whom we can manipulate. This is not a God who is going to come down from somewhere up there, from some heavenly throne above us to kick our problems' butts. That's not what we're talking about. No, this is a life energy it is always being, it is always expressing its nature of life, of love, of light, of power, of peace, of beauty, of joy. This, this presence is constantly expressing that, and we are just simply lining ourselves up with that and saying yes. In the light of that presence, fear cannot even exist. It cannot even exist, much like darkness cannot exist in the presence of light. And there's no battle needed. It just can't exist. So our only work is to align ourselves with that oneness and let its nature flow through us. To, as Emerson says, get our bloated nothingness out of the way of the flow of the divine circuits. And we can either have faith in the things we fear or we can have faith in the infinite presence expressing itself through and as us. We can have faith one direction or the other direction. In other words, we have faith in our heart's desires, the authentic life urge of the universe through us and as each of us and all of us. Taking a breath. The other fear buster is love. We are called to have faith in what we love and to love it enough that it comes to be. Audre Lorde said, when I dare to be powerful, to use my strength in the service of my vision, then it becomes less and less important whether I'm afraid. When I use my strength in the service of my vision, it becomes less and less important that I'm afraid. 
And service to my vision means loving my vision. The vision that the world will work for all people or the vision of health and aliveness or whatever our vision is. To love that vision. And eventually the vision becomes more important. The vision becomes bigger and more powerful for us than the fear, the voices of fear. It was more powerful than whether I'm scared or not. Gandhi knew this. Martin Luther King Jr. knew this. Jesus knew it. Buddha knew it. Everybody who's done anything knew that. They love their vision more than staying safe in the bud. They let love and faith direct them rather than fear control them. The fear didn't leave, by the way. They just grew beyond its confines. You know, people talk about overcoming fear, battling fear. You know, but battling fear and trying to overpower it just recognizes and, and claims that fear has power, as a real power. But we are the real power in our lives. This infinite life energy through us is the real power in our lives. And we determine the direction of our, of our attention. And we'll always have fear accompanying us on our journey. My, my, the author, um, uh, Big Magic and Love, Eat, Pray, Love, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, um, says, get, uses the analogy of taking a road trip with herself, her creativity, and always fear sitting in the backseat chattering away. But only herself and her creativity get to make decisions on where they're going down the road. And so we get to determine that. We get to determine the direction of our, of our attention. So even though fear is there, we can choose to let the power of our love and for and our faith in our vision be our primary motivators. Choose your vision. Love it and believe it until it shows up. As the saying goes, feel the fear and do it anyway. So this week, three practices. Number one, ask your inner wisdom, where am I hiding in safety and comfort? Letting my fear hold me back. Ask your inner wisdom to put a spotlight on that so you can see it. Not to feel guilty about it. It's just so you can you know, not get trapped in that anymore. And then ask, what is the vision that is calling me now in this area? What does the life urge want to express through me? And then the third practice is say yes. Say yes that life urge. Engage that vision with faith and love. And as you say yes to it, it says yes to you. I'm going to close with one more Anais Nin quote. She says, life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. And I have an affirmation. So join me in this. I dare to be powerful and use my strength in the service of my vision. One more time. I dare to be powerful and use my strength in the service of my vision. And so it is. So, let us pray. There's only one. <laughs> there is only one life, one love, one wholeness, one presence. It's not some big 
super person in the sky that approves or disapproves of us. No, it's a life energy, a presence, a beingness, an aliveness, an intelligence, a love. And we are one of that because it is all that there is. We, every detail of our lives, every aspect of our lives, everything about us, everything about all life, everywhere, is one of, an expression of, that infinite presence. And I speak my word that this week, and for weeks and weeks to come, we let go of any fears that have held us back, that have compressed us, constricted us, restricted us in any way, shape, or form, and allow the life energy to flow through us more fully, blessing our own life, blessing the lives of those around us, because that is how this infinite life works. It is always for more life. And just as we see the seeds we call pollen floating through the air, some of which will land and become new flowers and new trees in the future. That energy that we put out, the seeds that we sow, by our love, by our faith, by our joy, land into fertile soil and produce new seeds ongoingly. And so in gratitude, I release the seed of this word into that soil, that fertile soil of the law that blooms it, that brings it forth and lets it, lets it blossom in our lives, each and every one of us right here, right now. It is already so. And we simply affirm that and say, and so it is.